Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor with my good friend... David Barker. David Barker from Heritage Seminary. And uh, Dave, today we're going to talk about... Um, actually, we're going to clean up maybe some of the loose ends from my sermon on Sunday. I'm dying for you to help me with this. Which, by the way, uh, I, I didn't hear. Yeah, but you know all about Romans 14. It's <laughs> one of the it. most powerful... I've read it a few times. Yeah, and we, like, uh, this, this passage saved us during COVID. I mean, this was mm. the go-to passage during mm. all that uh, conscience issue and the tension that the churches were in and some of the judgments that were going back and forth. This was so helpful, this passage. Uh, but here's the passage, and I, I just want to talk to you about how this fleshes out in local churches. And Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he says, Stop passing judgment on each other. Let us therefore, verse 19, make every effort to do what leads to peace, to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God, if you can imagine the work of God being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to do anything that causes someone else to stumble. Better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Okay, so you know the, little, the context here. Mm -hmm. um, there are weaker and stronger brothers and sisters in the church. Some have a conscience about nothing, kind of what Paul is saying, mm -hmm. a scruple about a non-issue, but to them it's an issue. In this case, it's food or Sabbaths or something. Right, and food offered idols in particular. And then Paul says, I'm not among them. He regards himself as strong. Um, all days are the same to Paul. All food is the same. Um, but in the church, you've got this spectrum of people that have to live together mm -hmm. when one group might be tempted to say, why isn't your list of scruples as long as mine? Mm -hmm. Others might say, why, why don't you have any? Or So you've got this tendency to say, I must know God better than you because I have more rules, I have more issues, I have more things that are off limits for me, and it can just divide the church. And so Paul's argument here is don't do anything needlessly that will do that. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace, not in quarreling. So you've been a pastor, and I don't know, this issue probably surfaces in the school as well. But how do you do that? How do you strive, given all the spectrum of issues that people have and, and honestly held consciences, mm -hmm. and unify them together so they get to the point where they can live with each other and understand that it's not on them to convert each other to a particular issue or taboo? You, you hear me? I'm hearing you, and uh, it is... I'm sure every listener that is listening right now is just going, uh-oh. They want to know what's on the list. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. And it's not an easy issue, of course, and that's why we're talking about it. Um, the whole business of shalom and peace in the community of faith is obviously critical. But at the same time, I don't believe that we, need to, we should be held hostage by those whose scruples are more intense than others. Honestly held. Let's of course, say. honestly held. Now, I, before we, we got on the broadcast here, I, I told Bob an illustration. When I was pastoring a church, um, 
I uh, it came around Christmas time, and I actually have come to enjoy the Christmas wreath and the candles. And so uh, we, and this church had done this before. It wasn't anything new. Those are the like the four Advent candles? Yeah, the wreath and the candles yeah. and all the rest of it. So in the beginning of the service, uh, while the band was practicing, um, we brought out the, can, the wreath and the candles, set it up on the communion table. But one person in the band, in particular, just went ballistic. And he he came from this was this this was not uh, spurious. He had been converted from a very traditional, I believe, either Anglican or Catholic uh, background, and saw this as a remnant of that practice, and struggled with it immensely. So um, we were kind of caught mm-hmm. and. Uh, so at that point, I said to the people, let's, let's take it down. Let's not use it this week. And uh, so we did. We didn't use it. But I went to him afterwards, and I said, and I tried, and he was very, he was kind. I said, you need to understand here that this is something that I would consider for you to be a weaker brother issue. And there are many of us in this church who do not have any issue with this whatsoever. In fact, we are finding it a blessing. We light the candles. We celebrate the, what the candle symbolizes. So we will be putting up the Advent wreath ne- next week. And it'll be up to you as to whether you can deal with that or uh, whether you choose not to attend the service. And uh, so we did. And he wound up not attending the next three or four services. He came back after Christmas. Uh, all smiles. All was well. We carried on. And, uh, but I really felt that f- we accommodated him to keep peace at the moment in which it was very difficult. But then we didn't allow that scruples to dominate uh, the congregation. Okay, now w- when we talked about that, <clears throat> it's one thing to say... It won't dominate a congregation, but the same principle applied to an individual. Are we expected to, for the unforeseeable future, not just a one-off, but yeah. but to limit my liberty until such a time as this weaker brother grows up or no longer stumbles? Yeah, and I think that's a critical part of this whole thing. It isn't that you just leave the person there. You move into some realm of discipleship. You move into some kind of mentoring encouraging um, to bring this person along to hopefully get mm-hmm. past the scruples that um, are unnecessary. We may or may not be successful. Some of these things are so deeply embedded in folk that they really can't get past it. But we can't let that... Uh, and I know Apostle Paul talks about shalom, peace in the congregation, but somehow I'm, I'm suspicious that Paul would not really s- not want the church to be limited by the weakest person in the congregation. There would be some sense in which there's a responsibility on the part of the leadership to bring that person along. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, we talk, again, we talked about this before, but Dr. Fowler, Stan Fowler preached a sermon. We, I think we've all heard it in different contexts. I heard it at chapel uh, twice, I think. <laughs> once in seminary chapel, once in the, in the institutional chapel, and I think, I'm sure he's preached it here. But he deals with Romans 14, and he, he deals with that line. The conclu- it's brilliant the way he says it. When I think about you, normally we think about, when I think about you, I think about responsibility, 
limit your freedoms. And when I think about me, I think about freedom. I get to do what I want. When in fact, Romans 14 mm-hmm. says the opposite, right? When mm-hmm. I think about you, I think of freedom. And when I think about me, I think of, of uh, responsibility. And the arrow goes both ways. The arrow goes from the strong to the weak, but it also comes back from the weak to the strong. When I think about me as a weak person, mm-hmm. I think about responsibility. And when I think about you, I think about freedom. So even the weak brother needs to be taught that there is a freedom that others enjoy that... I I'm not I can't create non peace right. over. And you can't condemn him. Right. For a liberty that he has that you don't have. Right. If you can. I mean there's a Well, there's moral issues that we're not going to we're not, we're not talking about moral issues yeah. here. We're talking mm-hmm. about things that would be uh considered amoral or or whatever, right? So it sounds like if if you don't carefully read this when Paul says if anyone regards something as unclean then for that person it is unclean so it sounds situational yeah if if I can do something and it's sin you can do the same thing and it's not sin how how do you explain that to to people what 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 makes this liberty sin yeah. Well, or in this case, pork. Let's say you're, yeah, you're eating it's a, pork. But it's a violation of conscience, right? It's a violation of something that you believe is wrong because of whatever context you find yourself in. And for you to participate that when you know that and you, in fact, believe that it's wrong. And that belief is deeply held as a mm-hmm. conscience issue. Mm-hmm. Then to participate in that is, is sinful. So when, when Paul says, don't destroy someone with your liberty, how... And we haven't really had a chance to look into this, but don't destroy the work of God mm-hmm. on this issue. So what would that look like in a church where someone is in danger of being destroyed over this liberty issue? Can you think of... Well, the question is, okay, <clears throat> to me, someone being destroyed and destroying the work of God are two different things, right? I think I think we we are patient with the person who is quote-unquote, weak, mm-hmm. we insert some kind of notion of, of a growth. Mm-hmm. And um, we, move, we move towards liberty, appropriate liberty, okay, as, as the church, as the work of God. And I think sometimes when, when we look back, when we allow one person or a few to minimize the action of the church, mm-hmm. whatever that might be, or the freedoms of the church, whatever mm-hmm. that might be, that in fact is destroying the work of God. And that needs to be, that needs to be dealt with. That's why when, when, when my friend, we, we immediately accommodated him, but for us to, for me, for us to perpetuate that mm-hmm. for the next four weeks. Yeah. Would be a form of destruction. Exactly, because there was so much good and benefit that came out of mm-hmm. using those symbols f- as we built up to the to the to the Christmas event, um, and we, I wasn't going to allow that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if if destroying the work of God could include the work of God in that individual too. So that now I'm concerned that whatever God is doing in that person's life, and I don't believe that God's work can ever be destroyed, but. 
it can certainly be hampered. There are yeah. there are warnings in the scripture yeah, about I mean, shipwreck. Sure, right? it can be, be destroyed at a particular time so and place. So if, if I if I mock someone for their lack of for their over overly scrupulous conscience, and I say get over it, and I'm mm. I'm inconsiderate, I'm unloving, I'm annoyed, um, then I think what Paul is saying here is that that person will force himself to do things according to my liberty, but not because of his, because he thinks, this is what mature Christians do. I I guess I got to do it to prove that I am in liberty. And so he's violating his conscience, Mm -hmm. which is a dangerous thing to do. Absolutely. And I would say that that is, number one, horribly unpastoral. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I think in many ways, a violation of what Paul's talking about here. Mm -hmm. It's, with this guy that, that I'm talking about, I keep going back to that illustration. I tried to be as pastoral as I could to him. Yeah. And uh, I gave him the option of saying, okay, if this is really difficult for you, you know, you don't have to come on Sunday. And, and I, I understand that. I, I wish you would. But, but then when he, he returned, yeah. um, so I don't know whether, I, I, this is the days before online stuff, but so I don't know whether what he did on those Sundays. Yeah. Um, I think he came to my church. Yeah. <laughs> he went to the church down the street. <laughs> was he a, a new Christian or? He was an immature Christian. Okay. Uh, he had been a Christian for a while, not a huge length of time, but he, um, he was an immature Christian. And uh, there had been some other issues that had surfaced along the way as well. Uh, but this one really exploded in, in our face right in a very awkward situation mm-hmm. so we had to take immediate action and and we we tried to bless him in the process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the things paul says in the, in the passage each of us will give an account to, of ourselves to god you, you know you're he's saying why are you bothering this person mm. why are you managing him and his discipleship well of course that's an essential part of discipleship is you're in someone's life and teaching them, but I think he's talking about people whose management or discipleship strategy is not necessarily biblical, but it is designed to make them just like they are themselves with all of their scruples. And he's saying, you need to appreciate the fact that he's got it going on with God. He's accountable to God. You're not in between him and God. He stands before God for his conscience. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we get in the way Mm -hmm. and we help God disciple this guy, but we're bringing him into not the the image of Christ, but to the image of us. Yeah. Yeah, no question about that. And I think you and I and so many pastors have been guilty of that. We want to make people like us when in fact there's huge diversity in the community of faith Mm -hmm. and we push them to Christ-likeness and and we work really, really hard at trying to set ourselves aside. Well, we want to maintain the unity of the church. So until next time, I'm Bob McGregor with my good friend Dave Barker. Thanks for thinking about it with us.